Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour. There's lots of things to talk about business-wise. It's still summertime in Chico. It's very hot. I'm enjoying the fact that the air is almost, seems breathable today. The smoke from the fires has, seems to me to be way down, but maybe it's the wind. Of course, the fires are getting 50 to 60% under control from what I saw yesterday being reported. So, so that's a good thing. Well, September 15th is the due date for business returns that are partnerships and S-corporations. Most of the business returns that I do at my CPA office are either partnerships, LLCs, which are basically partnerships, and S-corps. Those probably make up 80% of all my business returns. The other type of business return is a C-corporation and There's less need for a C-corporation among small businesses. I don't have that many C-corps, but S-corps and partnerships are very popular. They make things a little simpler. They do save some taxes, especially S-corps for self-employed people. That's another topic you might be interested in. If you're self-employed and you find that when you do your tax, like I've seen a lot of self-employed returns, the majority of your income tax due is not regular income tax, especially if you might be married, filing joint, and your wife or your spouse doesn't make a lot of money. If you have two or three children, you have a pretty big child tax credit these days. So it ends up where your regular tax can sometimes be quite low, but it's your self-employment tax on your self-employed earnings that make up the majority of your total federal tax. S-corporations are a way to reduce that tax. There's a few tricks involved. There's some extra cost of doing a corporate return for an S-corp that'll offset some of the tax savings, but numerically, you can end up easily saving eight or $9,000 a year in taxes if you net 80 or 90,000 in your business by converting it to an S corp now you'll probably spend out of the 9,000 of tax savings of social security tax you'll probably spend 1,000 or two in extra cost and the main extra cost is you have to file a S corp tax return and if you hire someone like me to do it you're going to pay some money for that and If you don't already have payroll as an expense in your sole proprietorship business, you now have to have payroll in your S-Corp business because part of the trade-off of the S-Corp savings is that you as the officer of the S-Corp have to take a salary. It's a little bit complicated, but I do it a lot. And if you're curious, you can always call my office. 895-3353. It's just something that could really save you if you're a sole proprietor paying a lot of money in Social Security tax. It's just a real good tax-saving idea for businesses. I don't know how I got on that topic. Oh, because September 15th is the due date for S-Corps and LLC partnerships that are on extension. So LLCs are mainly partnerships. Partnerships aren't necessarily LLCs. Some people have an LLC that's not a partnership, and that's when they're the only owner. LLCs are a little strange. My main thing about LLCs, there's two things I don't like about LLCs. Number one, I don't like the fact that The net income from an LLC still gets the Social Security and Medicare self-employment tax. 
I also don't like that the state of California charges 1.5% tax on, oh, I'm sorry, I got that confused with an S-Corp. I also don't like LLCs for what's called the LLC fee. If your business has certain amounts of gross income, even if it doesn't have net income, it pays California what's called an LLC fee, and the fee runs all the way from $900 extra per year up to a little under $12,000 per year. It's a pretty onerous extra tax. So September 15th is a real big deadline. Uh, The giant deadline, of course, is looming. That's the October 15th. Of course, these are all deadlines for tax returns that are on extension. October 15th is the biggie. That's all the regular individual taxes. And the C-Corp returns. Those are all due on October 15th. Oh, then there's one kind of in the middle. If you're a trust on extension, your due date is September 30th. And the reason they made that September 30th, it used to be October 15. If you're part of a trust that has to report to you the income as one of the uh, beneficiaries of the trust, the IRS wants the trust to make sure it has to file by November 30th so you can get the forms you need in time for your October 15th filing. That's something they just corrected a few years ago. Anyway, that's... These are great, important things when you're a CPA tax preparer. Maybe as a listener, it's not that thrilling. I do always want to share tax knowledge with anyone anyone that has time to take time out of their day to listen to Business Buzz. I appreciate it. And I'm glad to have you take a little bit of time out of your busy afternoon and listen to me. So I hope I'm educational. I guarantee today I'm going to give you the other side of the news. You will not be you will not be well-rounded if you listen to business buzz. That's a that's a promise. So as far as local business, I don't have a lot of local business news right now. I do know that I heard from a client yesterday who is in the barbershop business that September 1st they are being allowed to have limited indoor business. That's a good thing for local businesses if they can afford to break even or make a profit with limited customers. Hopefully they can. But I say any opening any opening up is a good thing in my opinion. So it looks like uh, one thing that happened in downtown Chico is an event along Main Street, which was a Save Our Children event. It doesn't directly have to do with uh, legalized business, but it does have to do with illegal business, which is human trafficking, which is big in the news lately. And a couple of organizers had 30 or 40 people come to the event. They only planned it two weeks ago. They did it on the Facebook page. And I just thought that was interesting. There's been a few of these in Hollywood and a couple other places. So anyone who's not up on that and if you if you if you don't have the if you don't have an iron stomach or an iron constitution, you may not want to read too much about the problem, but it's a huge problem. And there are some people starting to protest about it, which at least brings uh, brings attention to it. It's not a fun subject to talk about. I saw a map the other day of the shutdown California in color, and I believe there was two counties that were pretty much open. I believe one was Modoc. I'm guessing the other one was either Placer or Alpine. It was sort of up near Tahoe. I know it's a pretty small county, so those two are the ones that looked really open. 
I noticed San Diego County still looks semi-open. I think I had heard that Santa Cruz County was semi-open. Business Buzz doesn't get directly involved in politics, but you can't always avoid at least feeling like you're on one side or the other on certain subjects. In a little while, I'm going to get into some of the numbers having to do with this whole virus thing. If you've been listening to Business Buzz, I think you know how I feel about the whole mask-wearing deal. Uh, I am the type of person who would go, I would go with the science. Number one, if I was convinced there was a grave danger, I would want to protect myself from it. And number two, if the method of protection was proven to solve that problem, then I would be all for having it. My problem with the mask wearing is, number one, I'm not convinced there's a problem with the virus, which I'm going to read some more about in a little bit today. And number two, even if there was a problem with a virus flying around, I've read all the science uh, about the size of a virus. And based on what I've read, the size of a virus is virus is about one one millionth the size of what face masks and cloth and paper masks can keep out of your system. That tells me that even if you believe there's a deadly virus flying around that you have to be careful about, wearing a mask has nothing to do with stopping a virus. It's all, it's not scientific. I believe I covered that a couple weeks ago on Business Buzz. I was talking about some of the mask analyses from the American Physicians Association. I'll get into a little more about the virus in a little while, but today I wanted to start out with some good news. Good news for me and you if you've been listening to Business Buzz for the last couple of years. I'm going to give you the title of an article that I'm going to let you guess what it's talking about. The title is, and of course this article was dated September 1st, this was the best performing asset in August and 2020 year to date. If any of you have a guess as to what that best performing asset for August and the year of 2020 is, and especially if you've been a Business Buzz listener, I'll congratulate you in advance because I know you know. So I'll continue reading. August is traditionally a slumbering, vacation-heavy month with low market volumes and little price action. Of course, the month that just passed was anything but, with the S&P recording its best performance since 1986 on the back of an unprecedented melt-up in a handful of tech stocks. Indeed, unlike 2011 and 2015, when August was a troublesome month for risk assets, this year saw a continued recovery from the lows reached back in March, with 25 of the 38 non-currency assets in the Deutsche Bank asset sample having a positive return over the month. Furthermore, the month marks another milestone. Since for the first time this year, more than half the sample is now positive on a year-to-date basis as well with 21 out of 38 non-currency assets having moved higher. As Deutsche Bank's Henry Allen writes in terms of the highlights, it wasn't tech but silver that was the top performing asset in August for the second month in a row, thanks to a plus 15.4% increase. That move cements its existing year-to-date lead, having now risen by 57.6 since the start of the year, in a move that outpaces even the NASDAQ. So if any of your friends who are buying tech stocks are bragging about their year-to-date gains, just tell them the silver you bought on January 1 has done better. And your silver is not a paper asset either, I'll, I'll mention. In fact, I was out today with some friends doing some exercise related sports and the topic came up about the stock for the company called Tesla, which I've covered some Elon Musk articles in the past. I haven't followed the price of Tesla. I believe we're going to come up on that first break in a minute. I believe it's up around $2,000 a share. They did some kind of split to bring it back to 400. 
my point with Tesla is I don't believe I don't believe they've ever posted a profit. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Joy is an attitude of faith in the Lord that celebrates His greatness and glory. Make today a joyful day by feeding your heart with God's Word. Take in solid Bible teaching and live it out by God's power. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, and I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week at 10 a.m. on Saturday or on Sunday at 10 a.m. Both messages are identical, so pick the day that fits your schedule best. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word. This message reaches a million people or more every week. Spreading the gospel is more than one voice speaking to a million. It is and must continue to be a million voices, each speaking to one, pointing them to our friend Jesus. The Lutheran Hour with Dr. Michael Ziegler. The Lutheran Hour, Saturday and Sunday at 1.30, here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you're able to spend part of your nice Chico summer day with me. I would say the kids are back in school, but I believe they're at home going to school online, which I'm starting to get the feeling isn't going so well for some of the kids. They kind of enjoy the school setting or kind of need it, but I know I would have. I would have a hard time doing my homework at home. And my classwork at home, that would be tough. That's just me. I've, I've never been one to favor a home office. I, I just, too many distractions. Once I get to work, then I know I'm at work. And that work is for work and home is for non-work. Well, once in a while I bring a little bit home, but I try not to. So that little article didn't have a lot of verbiage, but it summarized the best performing assets. So... Year-to-date, best total return performance of major financial assets year-to-date. Number one, silver. Number two, NASDAQ, which is the, the tech stocks mainly. Number three, gold. Number four, Shanghai Comp. That's the Chinese stocks. Number five, S&P 500. Number six, Treasury. I guess that's the T-bills, which are basically worthless pieces of paper, but a lot of people own them. Uh, copper. So out of the first seven, three are physical commodities, silver, gold, and copper. Interesting. Now, who are some of the biggest losers? Uh, Brent and uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil. Those are the big losers. Uh, some of the f- European uh, European stock markets, FTSE, 100, I think that's the London. The DJ Stocks, the Hang Seng, I believe that one is Hong Kong maybe. So those are the losers and the gainers are silver, the NASDAQ, gold, and the Shanghai Comp, and the S&P 500. Those are the top five year-to-date. Now, here's the difference. Here's another thing to think about. There was your little list. Here's the problem. The NASDAQ is at all-time highs by far. The S&P 500 is near all-time highs. 
So if you're looking to look at these top five and say, okay, now which one would be the smartest thing to buy right now? If they're, if they're all heading up, which doesn't mean they're all heading up, but let's just say they all did head up, which would be the least risky to buy right now? One of the ones that are at all-time nosebleed highs or the one that is at less than half of its all-time high? Well, you guessed it. The best one to buy now, using that logic, and I'm not a financial advisor, this is just uh, what I think. You can do your own due diligence and study it yourself. In my world, I think it would be smarter to buy the one that's not that's at about half. Oh, it, no, no, I'm sorry. Right now, it's a little bit over half of its all-time high. And that would be, again, drumroll please, silver. Its all-time high is 50. It's right today at about 28 and change. That puts it at just a little over 50%. Now, gold right now is only about $100 away from its all-time high, and that was achieved about three weeks ago. Uh, S&P 500, like I said, it's almost at its all-time high. The NASDAQ is way at its all-time high. And I get the Shanghai comp, I have no idea. It might not be at an all-time high, but anyway. That's just my two cents worth, not financial advice. Talk to your own brokers, talk to your own advisors, talk to your own CPA. Not that CPAs are financial advisors, but they, at least they're familiar with money-related things. It's always good to have a, two or three people to bounce your ideas off of, and a CPA is usually a good one because they, they can be fairly independent. They can be objective without worrying about which side they're on to make money from you. So if you know a CPA, ask him what he thinks about these investments, if you feel like asking. Because they'll probably give you an unbiased opinion. And nobody's right or wrong on this. It's all guesswork. But at least when you get an unbiased opinion, at least you know you're getting something that isn't tainted. And when you turn on CNBC to watch the business news, all you're going to hear about is NASDAQ, Tesla, Apple, and all the stock you should be buying. But to be honest, uh, Tesla, it did a split, but it's the equivalent of 2000 a share, I think. And in my knowledge, and I'm not that knowledgeable because I don't follow stocks as a stockbroker. I'm not a licensed stockbroker. If I'm not mistaken, they've never made a profit. And if they have made a profit, it's probably been accounting gimmicks that generated that profit. So in my opinion, that's just a disaster waiting to happen for your for your paper money. So I've been thinking with all the talk and watching the local news, all you hear about are coronavirus cases. Of course, they don't talk about deaths anymore because there virtually aren't any. But with all that talk, I was thinking, okay, what if the, quote, crazy people are, what if they're right? And what if this is just a big scam? I'm not saying I think it's a scam or not. I'll let you do your own research and decide. What I'm saying is let's at least listen. Let's at least listen to the voice of the crazy people who say that. So when I thought of it that way, I thought, okay, let's just kind of look at First of all, let's look at the damage it has done, keeping in mind that it might be a giant hoax. And I'm not saying it is. That's up for you to either think it is or not. Uh, You have to do your own research. I am not going to think for you. You have to do that yourself. I'm just giving you alternative viewpoints. So just keep in mind, let's let's pretend that we're allowing for the fact that this may be one giant hoax. So I looked up, now what's the effect on the GDP, which is the gross domestic product, which is all the activity of business in the whole country? So the advanced gross domestic product report showed that in the second quarter of 2020, and that's the one that ended in June uh, June 30th, United States GDP declined at an annualized rate of 32.9%. Headlines called it a historically poor showing the biggest single quarter decline in GDP since 1947. 
Some other media outlets reported that second quarter GDP fell at a rate of 9.5. This is a dramatically negative reading as well, but the decline is markedly less bad than 32.9. What gives? Which is more meaningful or appropriate number? Let's take a closer look at the record-breaking second quarter GDP declines and get a more accurate grasp on what's going on here. So what is domestic? What is gross domestic product? GDP is a broad measure of a country's total economic output. Essentially, GDP is the total value of all goods and services produced in a country over a period of time. Politicians, economists, business people, and regular citizens use GDP as a yardstick to measure and understand the performance of the American economy. Based on the rate at which U.S. GDP is increasing or decreasing, people attempt to discern things like consumer confidence in the economy, future spending by American businesses, U.S. economic standing on the world stage, the direction of U.S. unemployment, how the stock market is likely to perform in the near future. So all they're saying here is that for the quarter, the decline was 9.5%, but mathematically for the projecting a year, it's 30 I think it's 32.9, so that's a huge bad GDP. Now, here's the problem. When you look at GDP, you have to look at GDP as compared to total debt. And this is the sad part of the story. So my next printout here that I prepared for you today. And uh, thanks again for spending some time listening to to Harold Littlejohn, CPA, and his business buzz. Whoa, that was one quick segment. I'll be right back after the break. Don't go anywhere. When talking with friends about the gospel, it's helpful to describe the blessings that Jesus offers. Here's Alistair Begg. There is no salvation for sin save in this Christ. There is no place a man or woman may go to bring their checkered past save here in the embrace of this Jesus. Listen Wednesday to Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Vegas. The Texas legislature never repealed its state statute defining abortion as a crime, despite the 1973 Supreme Court case legalizing abortion. Well, several pro-abortion groups in the state are suing pro-lifers for defining abortion as a crime in Texas, claiming defamation. Now, eight pro-life individuals are suing these groups to protect their free speech rights. It is entirely truthful in Texas, and not defamation, to describe abortionists as engaging in criminal activity. Join Pacific Justice Institute in prayer for our nation. Visit PJI.org. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at PJI.org. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, taking a break from my busy CPA workday to share a few articles, a little bit of information, hopefully some entertainment, but especially an alternative viewpoint. Don't ever get sucked into the only viewpoint you hear 
on especially on TV. I actually watched the local news last night, and I was I had just been reading a bunch of these articles that I was prepping for today, and then I heard the local news, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, somebody's lying." Either I'm either the alternative view is completely wacko, or the news is completely fake. One of the two. That's all I can say. I won't say which one I think it is. I think you need to think for yourselves. Don't shoot the messenger. So debt to GDP ratio. Now this is, I believe, as of March, which was before the disaster. So it's going to be even worse now than it was then for all these countries. But the sad thing is that If you take the debt of a nation divided by its GDP, you get the debt-to-GDP ratio. It's virtually a, like a, I mean, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, um, what would you call it? Like an autopsy. It's almost like a cause of death. I mean, when you see this number get so big, you know there's no hope. Now, the number one country with debt to GDP, and I believe this is probably as of March. Japan, 237%. Oh, Venezuela. That's a, I mean, remember, we talked about Venezuela a few months ago. I was talking about how they're current, they're bringing, uh, they're weighing the currency at the grocery store when you need to buy a loaf of bread. Instead of counting it, they weigh it. That's how bad the Venezuelan, uh, I think it's the, is it the Bolivar? I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound, you know, uh, ignorant. I I don't remember the name of their currency. So Japan is the worst in the world. Venezuela, which is a complete shambles, is the second worst. Sudan is third worst. Greece is fourth worst. Italy is sixth worst. And in about, in about number 13 is the United States. So I saw that and I thought, ooh, that's depressing. The United States' debt to GDP is the 13th worst in the world, and it's 106%, which means that debt is higher than the GDP. That's a pretty sad state of affairs. Now, some of the countries with lower debt to GDPs, I'm looking down the list here, Jamaica is 94%. United Kingdom's 85%. Dominic, what's that? Dominica, 79%. Argentina, 75%. Pakistan, 77%. Austria, 71%. Uh, Morocco, 65%. Ireland, 62%. Finland, 59%. Israel, 58%. Vietnam, 57%. Germany, 56 That's kind of one of them. Oh, Netherlands is 52 Colombia, 49 Australia, 41. That's that's interesting. Nicaragua, 40. Anyway, Sweden, 37. So basically, we are almost like a third world country in our 13th place of debt to GDP. That is not a good thing. So while I was thinking about, oh, and Afghanistan is only 6%. Well, that's probably because they harvest 90% of the world's opium. I don't know. I'm not an expert at that either, so don't quote me. Okay, so that's the debt-to-GDP ratio. So I thought to myself, okay, that's the current debt-to-GDP ratio. But I'm a child. I was born in the late 50s, even though I don't talk age here on Business Buzz. So I thought to myself, what was the debt-to-GDP ratio of the U.S. before, before now? So I brought up a debt-to-GDP ratio historical chart from 
macrotrends.net. And it's a very shocking, scary chart. It kind of matches the chart of uh, money printing by the Federal Reserve, which is not federal nor reserve. And this debt-to-GDP ratio chart starts in about 1962, I guess. And back then, it's 40% debt-to-GDP. In 1980, it's 30%, which would put us in the, you know, in the bottom part of that chart I just read you about all the countries. So in 1980, it was 30%. It shot pretty 45-degree angle up through 19, uh, the mid-1990s. It went to 65%. Then in 1999, it went down to 55%. Then between 1999 or so and 20, uh, in 09 or 08, it was around 62%. And guess what? Since 08, which also coincides with the banking crisis, the near collapse of everything, the bailout at gunpoint, that they pulled on our Congress and the, oh, I don't know, $20 trillion that most of it got sent to European banks. So that's where the GDP, uh, debt to GDP took off like a rocket to the moon. And then it sort of leveled out, but it still heads upward. So it got over 100% in about 2012. It's dipped below it twice since then, but it hasn't been below it now for five, six, probably six years, according to this chart. So we're looking at debt exceeding GDP in the United States, just like any other third world country. Not a good thing. Not a good thing for your money. When Tesla stock that I don't believe they've ever really made a profit is at 2000 a share uh, I think your stock market portfolio, not financial advice. I'm not a financial planner. I don't play one on television. I'm just a CPA with a brain with two brain cells. It seems like this could be a watershed high point in the stock market, but who knows? Who knows? So, in my quest for knowledge and my quest for analysis and my quest to give you an alternative viewpoint, I figured, okay, if this GDP is so bad now, what dollar amount has this uh, coronavirus cost the world? And I looked up an article and it said, COVID-19 pandemic has cost the world's economy $3.8 trillion and made 147 million people unemployed. That's pretty scary. Global wages dropped by 2.1 trillion. 436 billion was lost because of a reduction in international trade. The UK economy is facing the worst recession in 300 years since the Great Frost laid waste to Europe in 1709. The employment to population ratio had in the US had been steadily growing since 2010. And there was a sharp drop in April 2020. So I was just trying to kind of numerically quantify, like I say, if we take the crazy, weird opinion that this coronavirus thing is a giant hoax, what would the perpetrators of it be liable for is is what I was thinking. And like I say, it's up to you to decide whether you think it's a hoax or not. Don't listen to me. I'm not an expert. I'm not an MD. I just read a lot of different viewpoints. And I try to think logically, but so I was just trying to put some numbers onto this pandemic and we're going to come up on this final break, but I was just leading up to my analysis of 
what if this were a giant hoax? What would these people be liable for? What have they really done? That's what I was kind of looking up with these. So I've got a couple of articles to talk about after this next break, and then we'll just kind of ride off into the sunset for the final part of the hour. It's so hot outside. I really don't want to leave this nice, comfortable studio, but I will have to at some point. So the first crazy article I wanted to read was one that mentions it's titled Coronavirus Hoax, Fake Virus Pandemic Fabricated to Cover Up Global Outbreak of 5G Syndrome. If you don't know what 5G is, you're probably seeing ads on the TV now for 5G phones and 5G networks. And it's the latest thing for cell phones. And this article, this article claims Wuhan coronavirus pandemic staged to cover up the public health crisis caused by the intensive 5G rollout in Wuhan in 2019. China was long ago set to be the 5G showcase for the world. Major metro areas and technology hubs like Wuhan were selected to be official 5G demonstration zones. Only such a high concentration of 5G radio frequency transmitters and microwave towers. Well, there's that break I promised you. Some of you are probably have a sigh of relief listening to this article, but sorry, I'll be back in a minute. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. This is Pastor Chris Kinson. We are now conducting outdoor services because of the recent restrictions placed on indoor activities by the Governor of California. Our services are now held earlier at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings. Because we are outside, there will be background noises such as the traffic and the wind blowing on the microphone. But this is the new reality. Our program is called Your Message for Today and will be broadcast on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are 10 a.m. Sundays. Come and worship with Community Church of God. And may God richly bless you. God bless you. 911, what is your emergency? In an emergency, you call 911. But what about life's other problems? When crisis hits, or tragedy, or life just gets to be too much, people often turn to Christian media like Christian Radio. And we're glad to be here as a lifeline to offer answers. But our programs can only be here for them when people just like you send regular financial support. So thanks for helping us be there for someone who might need a spiritual 911. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. So I don't know if any of you have heard this crazy, crazy idea about 5G, but I'm just going to read a little more. Only such a high concentration of 5G radio frequency transmitters and microwave towers would permit a citywide build-out of the Internet of Things. 2019 was the year Wuhan, the capital of Hubei, was expected to have 10,000 5G base stations by the end of 2019, said Song Kizu, head of Hubei Provincial Communication Administration. Then the coronavirus hit, so the whole world was told. What really happened was that a new variant of the coronavirus was released in Wuhan after the 5G experimenters saw an epidemic of 5G syndrome explode. The 5G guinea pigs were literally dropping like flies, as soon as they flipped the 5G switch. 
The ERs and urgent care clinics were overwhelmed. The 5G scientists watching the burgeoning public health crisis immediately activated Plan B. Blame it on a virulent flu, a bioengineered coronavirus that produces symptoms similar to 5G syndrome. The New World Order globalist cabal will not allow anything to impede the military deployment of 5G worldwide. 5G syndrome maps perfectly with coronavirus outbreaks. There's a lot of hard evidence now emerging the further away we get from the original crime scene in Wuhan, China, and as the coronavirus pops up around the world in 5G hotspots, that indicates this pandemic is being manufactured for multiple reasons. As it turns out, those nations with the most advanced 5G rollouts have the highest incidence of COVID-19 cases, both infection rates and death rates. In those countries that have permitted uh, build-outs where the 5G power grids are the most developed, the coronavirus infection rate is taking off. What's really interesting is that Africa has thus far shown very few cases. As of this weekend, there were only three medically acknowledged cases on the entire continent, which begs the question, how did the third world countries in Africa avoid such a contagious strain of the coronavirus? given the pervasive lack of proper sanitation and necessary hygiene. In light of how deeply involved the Chinese are with development projects all over Africa, it's quite curious how that infection number is still so low. Perhaps it's directly related to the absence of 5G rollouts in the vast majority of African nations. The single best proof of the quite obvious 5G coronavirus linkage are the various cruise ships that have seen an inexplicable mushrooming of coronavirus cases even after all the passengers were quarantined. Many of the biggest cruise lines now advertise the fact that they have the latest and greatest 5G technologies in place. The most advanced cruise ships actually possess the best examples of what the Internet of Things will look like in the future. If the build-outs proceed unimpeded by the very serious health concerns and safety issues, Key point, cruise goers by and large love to stay connected with the folks back home. They especially enjoy texting their many photos by smartphone back to family and friends. Businessmen have a need to stay in touch with the office as other passengers want to stay abreast of all the breaking news. Hence, every cruise ship will eventually become a 5G paradise if they're not already. What really happened on the quarantine cruise ships is that those folks were likely quite vulnerable to the flu bug for a variety of reasons. Then when they entered the fully operational 5G space on the ships, their immunity was profoundly weakened so that they would be susceptible to any influenza strain, including the Wuhan coronavirus. The cruise lines have literally put their 5G technology on super steroids. Okay, so I don't have time to go through this whole thing. You guys need to do a little bit of your own reading. Look up, uh, just look up 5G coronavirus maps and you can see the similarities like i say those people writing this stuff may be crazy those people writing the news reports we see every day may be crazy or they both may be halfway in between i am not telling you this is a giant hoax but if it is there's a huge liability for the people who perpetrated it and uh, not that our court system would be able to handle it because Well, I won't get into that. I have a law degree. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on television. Not legal advice, but I wouldn't plan on getting getting a successful lawsuit against a lot of large companies. That doesn't work that often. I guess it does once in a while, but I don't want to get off on a tangent. I want to end this show on a positive note, and I can't think of a more positive note than reading a section of my favorite book, which is A Course in Miracles. For those who don't like Eastern-style religion, I don't consider it that, but I know some people do. There's always the volume knob or the station knob. But this is a particularly interesting section. And remember, the miracle, I've told you that before, if you ever pick up this book, which I recommend you do, A Course in Miracles, When I first read it, it didn't make sense because I didn't know what a miracle was. 
And a, a miracle is simply the shift you make when you shift your mind from your normal everyday mind to the mind behind that mind that can observe your thoughts. That's the shift that this book talks about called the miracle. And that's also what Eckhart Tolle talks about in The Power of Now. Same thing. At least that's my interpretation of it. I'm not the world's biggest biblical scholar by any means, and I'm definitely not the world's biggest Course in Miracles scholar by any means. But I like it. It makes me feel good, and that's why I like to share it. So that's what I'm going to do now for the last few minutes of business buzz. So this is from chapter 28. The title of the whole chapter is The Undoing of Fear. And section one is called The Present Memory. The miracle does nothing. All it does is to undo. And thus it cancels out the interference to what has been done. It does not add, but merely takes away. And what it takes away is long since gone, but being kept in memory appears to have immediate effects. This world was over long ago. The thoughts that made it are no longer in the mind that thought of them and loved them for a little while. The miracle but shows the past is gone and what has truly gone has no effects. Remembering a cause can but produce illusions of its presence, not effects. All the effects of guilt are here no more, for guilt is over. In its passing went its consequences left without a cause. Why would you cling to it in memory if you did not desire its effects? Remembering is as selective as perception, being its past tense. It is perception of the past as if it were occurring now and still were there to see. Memory, like perception, is a skill made up by you to take the place of what God gave in your creation. And like all the things you made, it can be used to serve another purpose and to be the means for something else. It can be used to heal and not to hurt, if you so wish it be. Nothing employed for healing represents an effort to do anything at all. It is a recognition that you have no needs which mean that something must be done. It is an unselective memory that is not used to interfere with truth. All things the Holy Spirit can employ for healing have been given Him without the content and the purposes for which they have been made. They are but skills without an application. They await their use. They have no dedication and no aim. The Holy Spirit can indeed make use of memory, for God himself is there. Yet this is not a memory of past events, but only of a present state. You are so long accustomed to believe that memory holds only what is past, that it is hard for you to realize it is a skill that can remember now. The limitations on remembering the world imposes on it are as vast as those you let the world impose on you. There is no link of memory to the past. If you would have it there, then there it is. But only your desire made the link, and only you have held it to a part of time where guilt appears to linger still. The Holy Spirit's use of memory is quite apart from time. He does not seek to use it as a means to keep the past, but rather as a way to let it go. Memory holds the message it receives, and does what it is given it to do. It does not write the message nor appoint what it is for. Like to the body, it is purposeless within itself, and if it seems to serve to cherish ancient hate and gives you pictures of injustices and hurts that you were saving, this is what you asked its message be, and that it is. Committed to its vaults, the history of all the body's past is hidden there. All of the strange associations made to keep the past alive, the present dead, are stored within it, waiting your command that they be brought to you and lived again, and thus do their effects appear to be increased by time, which took away their cause. Yet time is but another phase of what does nothing. It works hand in hand with all the other attributes with which you seek to keep concealed the truth about yourself. Time neither takes away nor can restore, and yet you make strange use of it, as if the past had caused the present, which is but a consequence in which no change can be made possible because its cause has gone. Yet change must have a cause that will endure or else it will not last. No change can be made in the present if its cause is past. 
Only the past is held in memory as you make use of it, and so it is a way to hold the past against the now. Remember nothing that you taught yourself, for you were badly taught. And who would keep a senseless lesson in his mind when he can learn and can preserve a better one? When ancient memories of hate appear, remember that their cause is gone, and so you cannot cannot understand what they are for. Let not the cause that you would give them now be what it was that made them what they were or seemed to be. Be glad that it is gone, for this is what you would be pardoned from. And see, instead, the new effects of cause accepted now with consequences here. They will surprise you with their loveliness. The ancient new ideas they bring will be the happy consequences of a cause so ancient that it far exceeds the span of memory which your perception sees. This is the cause the Holy Spirit has remembered for you when you would forget. It is not past because he let it not be unremembered. It has never changed because there never was a time in which he did not keep it safely in your mind. Its consequences will indeed seem new because you thought that you remembered not their cause. Yet was it never absent from your mind, for it was not your father's will that he be unremembered by his son. What you remember never was. It came from causelessness which you confused with cause. It can deserve but laughter when you learn you have remembered consequences that were causeless and could never be effects. The miracle reminds you of a cause forever present, perfectly untouched by time and interference. Never change from what it is, and you are its effect, as changeless, changeless and as perfect as itself. Its memory does not lie in the past nor waits the future. It is not revealed in miracles. They but remind you that it has gone. When you forgive it for your sins, it will no longer be denied. You who have sought to lay a judgment on your own Creator cannot understand it is not He who laid a judgment on His Son. You would deny Him His effects, yet they never have been denied. There was no time in which His Son could be condemned for what was causeless and against His will. What your remembering would witness to is but the fear of God. He has not done the thing you fear. No more have you. And so your innocence has not been lost. You need no healing to be healed. In quietness, see in the miracle a lesson in allowing cause to have its own effects and doing nothing that would interfere. The miracle comes quietly into the mind that stops an instant and is still. It reaches gently from that quiet time and from the mind it healed in quiet then to other minds to share its quietness, and they will join in doing nothing to prevent its radiant extension back into the mind which caused all minds to be. Born out of sharing... There can be no pause in time to cause the miracle delay in hastening to all unquiet minds and bringing them an instant stillness when the memory of God returns to them. Their own remembering is quiet now, and what has come to take its place will not be wholly unremembered afterwards. So that's a portion of section one of chapter 28 called The Present Memory, and... I enjoy that, and in a busy day when you think you have endless problems, it's a very good way to think. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope it made you think a little bit. I will see you next time. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thank you. KKXX Paradise, K280GL Chico, and K283AR Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. President Trump made the trek to violence-ravaged Kenosha, Wisconsin today to the displeasure of the Democratic mayor of Kenosha and the Democratic governor of Wisconsin. Mr. Trump says the violence is not from peaceful protesters, but from organized groups intent on weakening law enforcement. These are not acts of peaceful protest, but really domestic terror. My administration coordinated with the state and local authorities to very, very swiftly deploy the National Guard, surge federal law enforcement to Kenosha and stop the violence. 
And I strongly support the use of the National Guard in other cities. The city's been riven by protests following an August 23rd video circulated showing the shooting of black man Jacob Blake while people were trying to arrest him in connection with a 911 domestic disturbance call. Walmart is launching a new membership service on September 15th that it hopes can compete with Amazon Prime. It's called Walmart Plus, and it's $98 a year or $12.95 a month. It will give members same-day delivery on 160,000 items, also included a fuel discount at certain gas stations and a chance to check out at Walmart stores without having to wait at a register. Amazon Prime charges $119 a year and has been around for 15 years. Walmart Plus members will still have to spend at least $35 online to qualify for free shipping. I'm Shelley Adler. Black Lives Matter protesters in Portland, Oregon, shifted their emphasis from courthouses to the city's mayor early Tuesday morning. And police declared a riot as people broke windows, vandalized a business, and set a fire inside the upscale apartment building where 58-year-old Mayor Ted Wheeler lives. The mayor's come under fire for his failure to bring the riots under control in Portland. On Wall Street, the Dow by 215 points. The Nasdaq rose 164. The S&P advanced 26. More at townhall.com. In these challenging times, what is really happening? Is there a force behind it all? If you believe in the freedoms that founded America, if you're looking for answers, go to ProfitToAmerica.com. That's ProfitToAmerica.com. And download the free book, A Fresh Wind. Is God using this pandemic to bring us back to our roots? Go to ProfitToAmerica.com. That's ProfitToAmerica.com. Do you wake up during the night and have trouble falling back asleep? Restore your natural sleep function with drug-free REMFRESH, the first and only continuous release and absorption melatonin that supports your natural sleep cycle for up to seven hours. Number one sleep doctor recommends.